Hello again and welcome back for this week's Brain Coach Tip. It's Jan Bedell, the Little Giant Steps Brain Coach. I wish you could be with me at exhibit halls of homeschool book fairs across the country. Families come to the booth and they are the ones that have incorporated the neurodevelopmental approach for life through the Little Giant Steps products and programs. And they tell me that they have seen amazing and life-changing results. In my private practice and interaction with thousands of homeschool families through homeschool book fairs over the last 25 years, I've been privileged to see frustrated parents become encouraged and children that didn't think they were very smart and realize a new confidence. I've also seen families that applied these strategies with their typically developing children and report that they attained functional ability with surprising ease. This same observation includes my own grandchildren. This means that I have seen neurodevelopment help my own child with severe special needs, and on the opposite end of the spectrum, my gifted grandchildren. My goal today is to equip you with resources and reassurance that it can be easier for your child too, and God can use you to make it happen. Please share this podcast with your friends and family. You just never know when you might be the link God wants to use so another family gets the help they're praying for. This week, you'll hear part two of Create a Positive Learning Environment from a Neurodevelopmental Perspective. I encourage you to get the handout at Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network. Just search in Brain Coach Tips number 32. So you will see the same examples and information that I talk about in the second part of this workshop. Now let's join the conference attendees. Now, one thing that often is kind of negative in many homes is this pencil grass. You know, hold your pencil right, hold your pencil right. You just wish you had a recording that sat right beside them and just kept telling them that. Well, we're the only creature on earth that has this cortical opposition pad to pad exactly like this. And I believe it's for a very important reason. Because riding, it takes extensor muscles and flexors. You've got to have both. And we get, because we're doing things again in our culture that are not developing these hand strength, then we have all this weird pencil grass stuff. Some hold their pencils so tight, their hand gets tired after two or three words, and that makes it pretty negative because they're complaining all the time about how their hand hurts. And you're complaining because they're not holding their pencil right. Well, one thing that we did from very early is we got the little infants. This is my granddaughter, Kenzie, when she was a baby. And we had them put their hands over our thumbs just from laying down, like changing table or anything where they're laying down, we would bring them up with their hands. All right, so pretty soon, Kenzie's just able to hang from her mom's hands. Now, I didn't expect this to happen, but it is so cool because I'm in a multi-generational household, which I would highly recommend to anyone, because I get to see all of these things that I learned about all this time didn't know when I was raising my children, but I'm able to influence my daughter. You know, let's try this, and what about that, and, and actually be involved in it. But I did not expect this to happen, but when she first picked up a writing utensil, she picked it up with a tripod grip. She never did prehensile with all fingers, you know, upside down or like this. This is how she picked up her first writing utensil. Now, she was only 19 months when she did this. 
which really blew me away. Now, I don't recommend them writing early because it influences their hand, but my daughter didn't get the memo, and she had this little magna doodle, you know. And she said, you didn't tell me that. Well, she just didn't hear me, but that's okay. Um, it all worked out, and, but I was just amazed at this, and I thought, well, maybe this is just a girl thing, you know. And then our grandson, whenever he wants up, he just puts his hands up, we put our thumbs out, and he comes up like that. Now, what did we used to do? The kids used to climb trees. They played on monkey bars. Well, they've taken those out of the, out of the parks. You know, somebody might get hurt, right? Okay, so we've got to have these muscles to be able to ride. Again, going back to the root cause, there's some things that you can do. With your little ones, what you do is get these little squirt fish, and you say the fish has to sit on this finger, the second finger, and then you have them fill it up with water and squirt, 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 squirt. Every time they squirt, they're working on that quarter claw position. Now, if they're a little older, these little putty eyes, they just like to poke those out, you know, so they do it. So if they do this twice a day for a minute, over time, they're going to build that muscle so that they can hold the pencil right. Now, another thing they really like to do is these poppers. So if you have them push with their thumbs and hold with their index finger and thumb to set it down, then they just like to do that, and so they do it. And this one's kind of slow, so it's going to surprise us here in a minute. Uh, okay, there it goes. <laughs> So the next thing you need is not only flexor muscles, you need extensor muscles to be able to write. So we take these little hyperflex balls, we turn them inside out like this, put their whole hand inside and have them open it against that pressure, and that works on their, their muscles. It's amazing how a couple of times a day for a minute can make a real difference there. Now, another thing that I want to encourage you is this is another tip that you have, no more tears reading. A lot of people think if they read a word for the child that it's cheating, that they have to sound it out all themselves and they have to do it all themselves or it's somehow cheating. Go back to the input versus output thought that I had given you before and say if they're not calling it out good, that means it's not in there good. So. Echo reading is something that I encourage you to do. I'm going to describe that more in detail, but it's basically you read something to them with them sitting there watching you, and then they read it to you right back. Now, aren't you memorizing it and things like, you know, you think, they're just memorizing that. Well, really, as soon as we know a word, we read it by sight. We don't ever sound it out again once we know it. And so it's really okay for them to know those sight words. Another tip that I have for you is in the creative writing. Now, how do we usually do creative writing? We sit the child down and we say, okay, now write about a baseball game. And they just kind of sit there, you know, and nothing happens. And you're going, What's the, you know, put something down here. Let's put something on the page. And you're still trying to get some information out. Well, I love this picture speller for young writers. Not only does it give the word and the correct spelling of the word, but it gives them ideas. So you put this down in front of them and you go, write a story about a baseball game. And they say, oh yeah, I could write about the glove that they catch with and the base that they go to and the peanuts that you buy for a snack at the baseball game. So it's giving them the input that they need so that they can be successful with that. So another tip is more, no more tears math. You know, some kids are just so 
like having trouble with math that they just want to just break their pencil because math is so hard for them. One thing I would like you to consider is something like visual circle math. This is to help them catch up quickly on all the operations or if they're really gifted in math, move ahead quickly in operations. So what we do is teach them visually. I don't know if you can see that for sure, but where it says it's underlined and in quotes and it's bold, that's all you say. Five, take away three. And then you point. You say five. Then you say count. One, two, three, four, five. Take away three. One, two, three. And then what's left? And then you count. One, two. So that kind of thing is really easy, especially when their processing is low, for you not to say much. Just say a few words. That makes it a whole lot easier. If your child's struggling with math, you can look into that at our booth. The other tip that I have for you is 50% instruction on math. What this means is you do a problem, they do a problem. You do a problem, they do a problem. Now you're going to go, isn't that cheating? I mean, I can't be doing their math for them. Go back to the input versus output again. And remember, we've got to put the information in. So it's going to be a whole lot more positive if you sit there with them. You do a problem, they do a problem. You do a problem, they do a problem. They get it in easily. They've just had a model. And then they don't make mistakes. You don't want them to make mistakes because then they have to see 21 more times of it in the positive before they can do it right. So that's especially important with math facts. You know, we have these magic cards, but... Our society has decided these flashcards are just the thing to drill and work on math facts. Anybody use these? Probably a lot of you. Yeah. Okay, so this is either a magic card or it's a test. One of the two. You know, you hold up this card and you're wanting something to come out of that brain and you know, you knew this yesterday, come on. Well, if it's not in there good, it's not going to come out good. So with our system... They see, hear, say, and write five math facts 14 times a day. And you'd think that would take a long time, but it only takes six minutes. One minute here, one minute here, two minutes here, two minutes here. And then they do a speed drill, which is what you usually do. But they don't do any output, which is the speed drill, until they've had 60 exposures of the correct information. Pretty amazing. Now, this is what I'm going to give away if you've got one of those yellow slips. This is what I'm going to give away at the end. This is a companion to the rapid recall where they can just be independent or if they just need some, a little tune-up on their math facts, they don't have them good, they can use this uh, computer program to get that input they need. All right, so now we're going to go on to the sin nature. So input is important to create that positive learning environment because you don't want to be testing them all the time. Because they don't like that. It kind of makes them, especially if they don't know it, <laughs> kind of makes them um, unhappy. So the sin nature, that's the external part that they have control over. Now, we must have a system of behavior modification that works to change the behavior. That's the whole goal. So what we're going to talk about now is changing behavior. And the consequence has to change the behavior. So we're going to talk about a, one particular thing that you can do, but it's not the only way to have a consequence. Now, usually what happens is 
the child is repeatedly warned to do something and then we get a little escalated more and more until they finally do it. What happens is they hook our emotions and they're just dragging us all over the place, you know, with that. So we, we want to have that gone from our life. We want to stay totally calm and help them to understand that there's consequences to their behavior. We're using the scripture Titus 3.10. It says, warn a divisive person once and warn him a second time and then have nothing to do with them. You know, solitary confinement, that's the most punishment that they have in prisons. So one consequence that you can use is a timeout for this particular aspect. And the timeout does not work typically with the age. I mean, some children, if they are three and they are in there for three minutes, it changes everything. Like my grandson, if he was in there for two minutes. It, it, he would just be falling apart, going, I'll never do that again kind of thing. And my granddaughter, when she was three, she needed more time <laughs> because she's a very strong first, firstborn, all that kind of thing. So you don't necessarily go with the amount of time per age, but what is going to change the behavior of that child. We are looking at what we call token economy or a strike system. So the strike system is the same as token economy. It's just using physical marks on a page instead of an actual token. I call this grace points. You know, God gives us grace, and then there's consequences. The same thing can be used for a child. So what we're going to do is have a family meeting, and before the meeting, mom and dad sit down and write a list of activities that are going to cost them a token. So you give them three tokens at the first of the day, and it, that's like the one, of, one once, one the second time, and then have nothing to do with them on the third try. The tokens come to them, and you say in the family meeting, I'm going to give you three tokens or three points at the beginning of the day, and uh, as long as you have one token left, you can stay in family life. When all your tokens are gone, there's a consequence. So here's the list, just a sample list. You want to make a short list. Disobedience and dishonoring covers almost everything. If there's something very specific, they're just arguing all the time, you might put arguing on there. Or if there's hitting going on, you might put hitting on there. Arguing about whether it should be a token is definitely on the list. Because if you say it's a token, it's a token. All right? Or if it's a strike, it's a strike. So you have this family meeting, you say, we love you too much to let you continue through life like this. This is what we're going to do. We're going to give you the tokens at the first of the day. If you lose all your tokens, there's a consequence. And you have agreed on that together. Now the, the thing about the timeout is that you don't necessarily want to do that with an adopted child. There's some children that this is not the best thing for, and so you have to come up with another consequence because... There's already rejection and abandonment and things like that there, and you may not be able to use that for them. So you can use calisthenics, you can use sprints, you can use different things like, you know, dig a hole, fill it up, move this wood pile over here, move these bricks over here, and stack them neatly. Whatever is going to change the behavior. Now the thing about it is, when they've suffered the consequence, they come back out, you give them the, the grace points again. You know, the, the slate is clean. You're able to talk to them about what happened and, and why it happened. Do all that kind of thing. 
and then they've got three tokens again, right? So the other thing that you can look at is something like this. You can write all your children's name on a little card that you carry around with you or you post on the refrigerator or whatever. And if somebody gets a strike, you just mark out. And then they can see how much they have left. Now, one lady that was a client of mine, she had a little 10-year-old boy that's smart as a whip, and he was just turning her everywhere but loose. And she had gone to every behavior management thing that you can think of, you know. She listed all her resume of those, and they, none of that had worked. And she says, I doubt this is going to work, but I'll try it. So she calls me in a couple of weeks because what you want to do is get the, every time they go to the consequence, it gets bigger. So if they're in there for five minutes, it's six minutes. If they're 12 years old, it's 10 minutes, and then it's 15 minutes. You can go up um, by increments because very quickly, within two weeks, you want to reach their tolerance level that they say, I don't want to ever have to do that again. Well, this little boy had suffered the consequences a few times, and he only had one token left. She said he pulls it out of his pocket, he kisses it, says, stay with me, baby, puts it back in his pocket. So what this is doing is bringing their awareness up of, oh, I'm in control of this. You know, I have to keep this. And, you know, it's like it changes their behavior. I only have one token left. Okay, what would you say? What do you want me to do, Mom? So it really is very effective. The, the biggest challenge to this is your consistency. If it's on the list, you have to take a token, whether it's the first token or the last token. If it's, if it's in the grocery store, you have to leave your groceries and go home, and there's the consequence. But the good news is it's typically for only two weeks. If you really do it right, it gets longer each time, up to their tolerance level, and it's uncomfortable. I usually send them to the bathtub because it's close to the toilet. They don't have to ask to get out a timeout to go to the bathroom. And it's not very comfortable. So, of course, with no water, <laughs> the bathtub with no water, and or the laundry room or in the entry where they're turned around and they can hear things, but they're not included in the family life. And then you just have great stuff going on with the other kids while they're in timeout. So it really gets to them pretty quickly. Now, the other thing that you want to do is tell them what they're getting because they are still in family life. They can play with their friends. They can watch TV. They can go outside. They get to play computer games. They eat with the family. They have access to their toys. All that might be the list for the eight-year-olds. Eight then the 16-year-old, they get to attend events, maybe use the car, access to the computer, be involved with their friends. They've got their MP3 players. I probably need to update this. You know, I'm a little behind the time here, but I'm not very technical. Uh, video games, things like that. Now, this works for all ages pretty much. You know, I would say three and up can utilize this. There was a 16-year-old that tried, the mom was just like so fed up with this rudeness. This was a big issue in his life. He would just come in racing through the kitchen and say, no time to eat, and just, you know, go off. Well, he had suffered the consequences a few times, and then he just was started to race through the kitchen, and he, and he stopped himself and he goes, sorry, Mom, I didn't have time for breakfast. I'm going to school now. You know, so, so much more pleasant with this kind of thing. Now, you only take tokens for negative, and they don't earn them back, right? They can't earn a token back. 
So if the token's gone, it's gone. But you are a detective for the best behavior. So you're walking around going, that's so great, you know, you took your plate to the sink without me even asking. And you're, you're just doing all kinds of wonderful, you know, intense on the positive. And then when it's a token, you just name it and claim it. You go, disobedience. All right? You're just totally, Mom, that shouldn't have been a token. And you just hold up two fingers. You're totally unaffected by what they're doing. They may lose them all right there. But they're going to stop themselves the next time because <laughs> they don't want that to happen. So in the meantime, again, you're intense on the positive. Remember your positive chart. And you're going to try to comment on everything. Now, I had one family that said, this child is just like negative all the time. I mean, it's just negative, negative, negative. Everything's negative with this child. I said, okay, find out, find something that he's doing right and take a picture of it. Post the picture on the refrigerator. Every time you walk through the kitchen, say, man, I just loved it when you did this. This was so great. So you have something positive to say. The other thing you can do is if they don't lose all their tokens in a day, because I know, you know, especially you moms, that you want to reward their positive behavior. So the other thing you could do is, like, if they don't lose all their tokens, you could put a little sticker on the calendar. And they, after five or seven or however many you determine, days without losing any of their tokens or losing all their tokens at first, you can have something wonderful that happens. You know, they can have lunch with dad on Saturday or go to the park or something good that happens. All right. The other thing that can help you with a positive environment is these three keys. One is frequency. That means how many times something comes in. Intensity. We talked about that, how strong the information is. And then just an example of that is you know, in our society, we're usually going, oh, man, you wet your pants again. You know, you're, you're really pretty intense on the negative. You should have told mommy and all this. When they go where they're supposed to go for the first time, you just kind of, you know, finally maybe he's getting it kind of thing. Well, you want to have something real intense. You know, dad's giving him a high five here. But when in this particular family, Johnny went where he was supposed to go for the first time, and mom and dad went in and had a swing dance. I mean, they were just really excited and celebrating and all that kind of stuff. And Johnny couldn't wait to get back on the pot to see what was going to happen next. You know, that was, that was pretty cool. This is something that I want to help you understand that where you can just make a little change and change things to the positive. What if you had a first grader? And they were really excited about school. You know, all the siblings are in school, and now they get to come to school. And so you give them their math page, and then they work and work and work, and they're so excited, they bring it to you, and there's two wrong on that page. What typically gets the attention on that page? The ones that are wrong. You circle them and hand it back to them. Well, then they take this page, and they go, hmm, got big red marks on my page, and... I thought math was going to be fun, and I don't know about school. All right, so what if you do the opposite? What if you check all the ones that were right? My granddaughter is doing a speed drill. She's only five, 
But when she gets through, there's, there's 30 problems. And so I'm going over there checking. Oh, this one's right and that one and that was good and that's great. And, you know, just checking all the ones that are right. And then if they were wrong, I just erase it and tell her the answer. So if you just did that, checked all the ones that were right, and then said, oh, let me show you about these two. And you just did it for them. Then they have the input they need to be able to be successful the next time. So they're taking their paper over there and, you know, wow, look at all these checks. This is so cool. This is wonderful. And they feel much better about school. So it's, it's going to help you with a positive environment. And they're going to want to do things better. So frequency is how many times you do something. I recommend twice a day for just a, five minutes for math. And intensely, you do a problem, they do a problem. Then duration, this is how long something happens. Now, have any of you had this situation where you set your little third grader to work in uh, math and said, I'll be back in just a little bit, and you go do something, and he, you come back, and he's looking out the window, or he's upside down building fuzz balls with the carpet, fuzz, you know, something like that. The intensity is gone at that point. So you get a lot more mileage if you just do that frequency. I know you're going, gosh, sit down with them. Well, yes, because then you don't have to do all that checking and negative stuff later. You've done all the positive, then you're through. It's re it really works well. So frequency, intensity, and duration. I want you to remember that. And if you don't have other things to do at 4 o'clock, I'm going to teach you how important this is and demonstrate to you how amazing this is in the Organizing Einstein where I'm going to teach you something that you didn't anticipate and it's only going to take me, you know, like 30 seconds to do it. So that's going to be today at 4 o'clock. And you can come by and get that test kit at the top of any hour. And again, we're going to give away one of these visual input and bonus reviews to help with math facts. And if you have this with that other system, with the rapid recall, then the child can be totally independent in working on their math facts. If you want to know about the podcast that I'm doing, braincoachtips.com, you can come get one of these cards. I've got about 30 up right now. I do one a week, and that will give you more information about this. Thanks so much for coming. I really appreciate your attention. And I'm hoping that this is helpful to think of it differently, not just, you know, what the behavior situation is, but other things that could affect it. I'm hopeful that you found this information a great deal of help. If you have any questions about implementing this strategy, email us at office at littlegiantsteps.com or join our Facebook group accessible from the website, littlegiantsteps.com. Please stay tuned to the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network where you will receive more of these Brain Coach tips to make life and learning easier. Next week, I will share with you some autism solutions. You know, there are many factors that cause autistic symptoms and the broad spectrum of this label's severity. Until next week, it's the Brain Coach signing off and reminding you that neurodevelopment is a dynamic approach to life at any age. So think differently. The solution is not in the problem.